Thank you so much, Ruth, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, or friends, uh, which, which is definitely a, a better way of addressing you, as Yehuda said. Uh, what a very special privilege and honor for my wife and I to be with you here this evening, to be uh, here in this very special home, uh, to meet uh, Yehuda and the team of people that, that work with him to create this unbelievable miracle uh, of human dedication, of love, of commitment uh, to Torah and to the Jewish people uh, and to all the individuals who are here and have been through this, this institution. Jerusalem, Yerushalayim is our home. It's always been our home and it always will be our home. And it's appropriate that we celebrate our ancient home here at Beit El-Azraki as guests of Emunah Netanya. Because if we consider the profound concept of the word home, what is a home? It's a word that carries with it a wealth of emotions, memories, and a deep sense of belonging. A home is a place that not only provides shelter, but nurtures our identity, our values, and our aspirations. The genesis of Emunah is in providing shelter and support for children who survived the Holocaust and therefore had lives but didn't have homes. And now here under Yehuda and, and Ricky, Beit El Azraki continues to provide a home for hundreds of children who've started off with disadvantages and seeing them through their development to adulthood through their careers in the army, university, and as we've heard all the way through marriage, when they too can begin to build homes of their own. When we talk of a home, there are five dimensions to a home that I would like to touch on briefly, but there's one of those dimensions particularly we'll talk about. The five dimensions of a home is the dimension of love, which is something one feels in the air in this particular home. Growth. Friendship, sharing, and connection. First dimension, a home is where people feel safe, cared for, accepted unconditionally. It's a place of love. The second dimension, a family grows in a home, both as a family and as individuals within a home. There's growth all the time. Thirdly, a home is a place where we receive our friends, families, and we bring disadvantaged people and poor people into our homes to help them too. It's the most intimate place to connect with another person. Your home is a place where I can visit with you. It's an address to which I can send something that I might want to share with you. A place where I can deliver communications and gifts. But there's an additional fifth dimension to our home. And that's a term that we use in the Talmud and the Gemara called a Beit Sha'ar. A house, a structure, a building, a home that is also a Sha'ar, a gateway. Because your home is my gateway to your soul. And my home is your gateway to my soul. I get to your essence. In your home I can access you. I can feel your energy. I can learn about your tastes and your preferences. I can discover your interests and look as I look at the art on your walls, the books on your shelves. A home is a place of access. 
what a disadvantage it is for those people who haven't had the privilege and luxury of a home. What a chesed it is, beyond any comprehension, to provide a home to those who do not have one. But it's not only humans who need a home. And it was after 20 years of construction that Shlomo, King Solomon, had built two homes. At Beit Hashem and Beit HaMelech. The home of Hashem and the home of the king. You would have said he just came back from London and probably saw the home of the king there. Buckingham Palace. He's also got a home. But it's not just human kings who've got a home. Hashem has a home. And Shlomo built the first home for Hashem. And it wasn't a novel idea. It wasn't as if King Solomon woke up one day and said, let me build a home for Hashem. Hashem has already told us he wants a home. In Pashat Truma, Vasuli Mikdash Veshachanti Betocham. Make me a temple. Make me a place where I can live with you. And he says, Veshachanti Betocham, that I may live amongst you. He doesn't say that I may live in it. Hashem's home is not for him to live in. Hashem's home is so that we have a place where we can visit him. That we have a place where we can access him. Remember the fifth dimension of the home. The place of access, the Beit Shar. The access point to God. To be able to access Hashem, we need to know where he lives. We need to know his address. We need to know where to go. And Hashem tells us so. The Medrash says, Asuli, asubet, bait lav, banav. Make a house for the father so that he can live among the children. So that the children can call on him. So that the children can visit him. And the Sforno takes that further and says, filatam ve'avodatam. To receive their prayers and their worship. We can pray, and we all pray. Even atheists pray when things get tough. The question is, does God accept the prayer? What is the point of a prayer that Hashem doesn't accept? And the purpose of the Beit HaMikdash, the purpose of the temple was to have a place where God resides and receives the prayers. But Jerusalem isn't holy because the temple used to be there. That's what people think. Holy city, where the temple used to be there. Rather, Solomon built the temple there because Jerusalem was already holy. It was already God's home. The temple wasn't when Jerusalem became God's home. Yerushalayim has been God's home from long before that. When Yaakov has his famous dream, and he's shaken and he says, This is an amazing, awesome place. This surely is the home of God. Centuries before the temple was built. This is Shar Hashemayim. This is the gateway, fifth dimension of the home. This is the access point. Yerushalayim is the point of access to God because that's where God lives. That's His address. And what's the gateway to? Rashi says there. 
מקום תפילה לעלות תפילתם השמיימה. Jerusalem is the place where prayer is received and is passed up to heaven. It, it's like the modem that you've got in your house, where the Wi-Fi signals can pass backwards and forwards. It's all very well we pray. It's all very well we go to shul. But how do we get our prayers onto God's desk? You can write a letter to the Prime Minister or to the President of the United States. You can write a letter to the King of England. How do you make sure he gets it? And I ask you to consider that question right now for a moment. What are you doing to make sure that God receives your letters? That they land on his desk? That he opens them? That he reads them? And that he acts on them? Yerushalayim is key to that process. Because Shebet HaMikdash Shel Mala Mechuvan Keneged Beit HaMikdash Shel Mata. You see, these are two modems. There's a modem in Jerusalem and there's a counter modem in heaven. A parallel city of Jerusalem, a city of energy, of course, not a city of bricks and mortar. And there's a pipeline. Think of an optic cable, one of these... these uh, internet cables where you, all the prayers can come into Yerushalayim and from Yerushalayim they can flow up in this cable and come up to Shamayim. But it wasn't the first time, Yaakov wasn't the first time who recognized that that was the place of God. It started long before that because the way we know that where Jacob had the dream was Yerushalayim, was Yerushalayim is because it's referred to as Hamakom, that place. Which is the place the Medrash says, Avraham also saw the place when God told him to go and sacrifice his son Yitzchak. And it says, and he saw the, the place, and the place, there's only one place that we call the place. And that's Yerushalayim. Avraham saw Yerushalayim from the distance, and on that same rock, under that golden dome, that same rock on which the Aaron with the tablets of stone stood, that same rock was the rock where Yaakov slept and had his dream. That same rock is the rock where Avraham almost sacrificed his son Yitzchak. That moment of Jewish history, which was such a powerful period from which we still draw strength, that moment took place on that same rock in Yerushalayim. But Abraham was not the first person to discover the rock. The Rambam says, There's a tradition that every Jew has access to. That place where the first altar was built and later on where the Beit HaMikdash stood, that was the place where Avraham bound his son Yitzchak. And when Noah came out of the ark and he brought a sacrifice, it was there that he did it. And Cain and Abel brought sacrifices on that same rock. And Adam brought the first sacrifice 
You often hear people saying that we learned the art of sacrifices from the pagans. Not true. Adam brought a sacrifice. As soon as he was born, as soon as he was created, he brought a korban. And where did he bring the korban? Where did Adam stand at that moment? Can you realize what that means? You go to Yerushalayim and you look at that place. You're not only looking at where the temple stood. You're looking where Jacob had his dream where Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices, where Noah brought his sacrifices. You're looking at the place where the first man stood and brought his sacrifice. Umisham nivra, and the, the dust from which Adam was created, was in fact taken from that place, from that position, from that rock that we still have today. So as you stand there and you look at that dome and you know what's under it, you look at the place that is Yerushalayim, and you realize it's history. This is not just a history going back to the second temple or to the first temple or to the period of King David or even to Joshua. This goes back to Adam, to the first man. And Adam wasn't even the first discovery of that spot. The Gemara says in Yuma, the reason it's called Shtiya is Shemimeni Mimeno Hushtat HaOlam. That was the point from which God developed the whole world. The Big Bang, that's where it started from. That was the energy that created the world that created the entire universe. Came from that point. However we meant to understand that. But that's what it means when we stand in Yerushalayim. That's what it means when we look at that rock and we think of that chain of history from us through the temple time, King Solomon, King David, Moshe, back to Yaakov, to Noah, to Cain and Abel, to Adam, the creation of the world. That is Yerushalayim. And just appreciate that when we say our prayers, there's a reason we face Jerusalem. It's not just because Jerusalem is an important place. It's, again, very similar. Nowadays we understand these things better than we used to understand them before we had technology. But now that we have technology, we understand there's the directionality to technology and to energy. Sometimes you have to stand in a particular position to get the right signal. You have to face a particular way to get the signal. When you're praying, when you're davening, when something is on your heart, something you need, something you want for yourself or your children or a friend or somebody in trouble for the Jewish people. How do you get it from your heart onto God's desk? Well, you don't have to worry about getting it all the way. If you can get it to Yerushalayim, the energy of Yerushalayim does the rest. And when we daven, when we pray, our thoughts are to push our prayers towards Jerusalem and just make sure that they land there. That in our thoughts, we're not praying to Yerushalayim, we're praying to God. But we understand that the way to get our message to Hashem is via Jerusalem. Our thoughts and our feelings, our emotions, we push them on to Jerusalem and from Yerushalayim, they get elevated and taken all the way up to Hashem. The religious centrality of Jerusalem, the womb of the world, the source of humankind. 
extends beyond any faith and any tradition. Just last week I took a non-Jewish man to Jerusalem, a client of mine. He'd never been to Israel before. He visited the Christian sites, he felt nothing. He visited the Temple Mount, which he was allowed to do, he felt nothing. He came to the Kotel Amaravi, and he had the most profound experience that he couldn't explain, couldn't understand, but it changed his life. It's not only for Jewish people we're talking about the universal human yearning for transcendence and the tangible connection with the divine. Because that's the fifth dimension of a home, a place where you can connect with the other. And Yerushalayim is the place where we can connect with Hashem. It's a place where any human being can connect with God. And this is why we fought for Jerusalem through the ages. Yes, Jerusalem is our national capital and it, 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 there's so much about it that is important to us. But this that we're discussing this evening is why we fought for it. It's for this that we have celebrated the greatness of Yerushalayim, mourned its loss and sacrifices for its recapture on this day 56 years ago. Yerushalayim is our home. It always has been our home. Yerushalayim always will be the home of the Jewish people, the place where we can connect with our God and become close to Him. Yom Yerushalayim Sameach and thank you all.